chapter 10. The book of Acts chapter 10. Spirit of the living God, we're about to dig into the word of God, this living word. And we trust you. We look to you as the breath of life. Without your breath on these words, these are just words. But with your breath on them, they bring life. So I ask that you breathe on these words. Think through my mind. Teach as I open my mouth to speak. Lord, I know you have such an agenda to destroy certain things and erect certain things in this house. And I pray that as, as the word goes forth, that indeed it will be like a hammer that destroys everything that needs to be destroyed. And it will also be like water that refreshes and replenishes every dry place. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do through this word. In Jesus' name we pray. And those who believe said, Amen. Amen. The book of Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 9, I'm just going to jump straight into it. Acts chapter 10, verse 9 says, The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Am I in the right place? Okay. Then he, he, he became very hungry and wanted to eat. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? I don't know why. This is not part of my message. I've ever been there where the moment you just decide I want to pray, you just say, ah, oh, I could do with a sandwich right now. You know? <laughs> and you say, it's all right, the Lord doesn't mind. I'm just going to walk on and pray. So Lord, as I was saying, oh, this is really good. You know, <laughs> Before you know, prayer time is over. But anyway. <laughs> but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at, at four corners, descending to him, and, uh, um, and let down to the earth. In, 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 in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and the birds of the air. And a voice came to him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Someone said, that's the Lord speaking. Okay. But Peter said, not so, Lord, <laughs> for I have never eaten, eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. We've been looking at the, the importance of breaking, breaking out of the old. More recently, when we are in this year where we believe that the Lord is doing a new thing. And um, I, I, I thought I would have been done with this series by now. But I, 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 if you don't mind, I'm just going to take my time. Because I really believe that what we are after is not just to kick off a series, but we're after transformation. Amen. We're after transformation. I, I, I think you better change. We better change quick or the Lord will stay here. Um, so, you know, you know, in the things of God, God doesn't promote you just to move on. He will keep you in the same class until you learn the lesson because promoting you is not doing you any favor. OK, so 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 anyway, we've been talking about the new and talking about how God has provided grace for the new. But more recently, we've been looking at how it is important to know what to do with the old. And one of the things that we need to understand about what is old um, in some areas is to break out of the old in order to tap into the new. 
God always has something new for us. Even when he engages um, the old things in our lives, even when God wants you to, <clears throat> excuse me, even when God wants you to remember something that is old, he wants to, you know, when, he, he, when he, he walked with the children of Israel, he will often say to them that they are to leave memorials um, of what God did in the past. But the whole purpose of remembering these particular old things is so that you will have faith for the new thing he was going to do. If you understand that so far, say amen. In other words, there are some old things in our lives, some things that have passed in our lives that God wants you to always remember, but it is always in the context of not just the gratitude that we have because of what he did for us, but it's usually in the context of the fact that he is going to do even more. And if, you don't, if we don't remember right, remember the old thing, remember what he did before, we will struggle to believe that he would do what he said he would do in the future. However, there are also some old things that we need to break out of and forget, like he says in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 43, where he says, do not remember the former things. There are some former things that we need to let go or not add into the mix as we decide or we make a decision um, as to what our attitude will be towards what God has for us. So even when God engages the old things in our lives, he produces something new. Uh, Revelation tells us that he, 21, he, he makes, he is making all things new, okay? He is, can you declare that with me? Say, God is making all things new in my life. Come on, say it with faith. Say it like you really believe it. Think of something if you need to and say, God is making all things new in my life. And so the, the, the reality is, because we know this truth, we must understand that we are never really stuck. We are never really stuck. We don't have to be stuck in anything. We don't have to be stuck in a mindset. We don't have to be trapped in the old. We don't have to be trapped in a way of thinking. We don't have to give in to the, to the thought that this is it, you know, we, we are, we, God is building something new all the time. And so what we see in this passage that we just read is this really historical moment in the plan of God to bring about something new. This new thing that God is talking about here had to do with you and me. It is to do with the new covenant, and, and God is looking to... Um, to bring the gospel. Now, Jesus had already died. He had already, already resurrected. So the new covenant, which is a covenant that will not ju just be for the children of Israel, but the covenant that will include you and I, was already in motion. God had already decided. He wasn't waiting to decide if he was going to instigate this new covenant. His son had already been sent. His son had already come. His son had already died. The blood had already been shed. The son had already, already resurrected. And he was seated in heavenly places at that time. However, God was still working with his partners on the earth to outwork that plan which was already completed since the beginning of time. Are you with me so far? So, so he comes to Peter, who is a key figure in the plan of God. And, and he begins to address Peter's old mindset concerning the covenant, concerning what was clean and what was unclean. 
He begins to address Peter's mindset and, and say to Peter, please do not call something that he has been clean unclean because in a previous life or because in times past you were, it, it was right to call it that, but times have changed. Can I tell you something? One of the most important things we can do is to have a living relationship with God. Okay? A living relationship with God means that, that we, we are hearing what he's saying now. It is one thing to know what God said. It is another thing to know what he's saying now. And we don't live necessarily just by what he said. We live by the preceding word. We live by what he's saying now. So it is not your ability to memorize or even remember scripture that makes your life prosperous, but it is your ability to, through the scripture you memorize, to hear what God is saying now. Did you hear that? Because Peter was on the verge of really stopping the will of God for you and for me. If it hadn't been for God's interruption in his life to say, I know what you believe, but that is an old thing that you need to leave in the old because now I am doing a new thing. Okay? Now, if you read the whole story, I'll let you go read, that, read the whole story. It was, it was through this encounter that Peter now goes back to the apostles and goes back to all of the other people who are also partners with Jesus Christ in the gospel. And he begins to tell them, this is what I experienced. And they all reach the conclusion that God is no respecter of persons. That in fact, what he has is not limited to just the Jews. What God wants to do expands beyond the borders of the Jews. Now, God had already raised Paul to reach the Gentiles, but it was through this conversation that God had with, with Peter through his challenging of his idea of the old that Peter goes back to the apostles, all of them have a conversation. They reach the conclusion that God is not a respecter of persons. And now they back Paul. And now the gospel has reached you and I. How did it come? Because God challenged an old way of thinking as he is looking to produce something new in your life. Here is what I'm trying to say to you today. I'm trying to say that we are looking to challenge every old way of thinking in your life because God is looking to do something new in your life. I believe that God is looking to do certain things in our time that will reverberate for generations to come. I believe that the decisions you and I make are not just about you and, and about me, but they are decisions that will reverberate for after we are gone. Many of the decisions we face, like should I believe God for healing or should I say something concerning, can I, shall I you know, uh, declare the word of God concerning my life or should I just settle for what the enemy is throwing at us, Please listen, the reason you and I must believe God, even when we don't see the end of or see the effect in our lifetime, is that your faith is bigger than you. Go read the book of Hebrews chapter, chapter 11, and it tells us that there are some people who died believing. 
However, these people have now formed the company of those in the balconies of heaven who are now looking down at you and are mesmerized at the amazing work of God. And so Abraham is thanking God right now in heaven that he did not quit and he went when God said, go. Because even though he did not see what God was looking to do, he is now looking from the balconies of heaven. And I can hear him cheering me on saying, you better preach, Cheeto. Why? Because he did not know that this would happen. And he's seeing the goodness of God being outworked in London, in Hendon, at a time long after he is gone. Your faith is bigger than you. Amen? Amen? That is why we believe. Even against hope, we still believe in hope. Hallelujah. I said against hope, we still believe in hope. Because the decisions we make, the actions we take, have an impact on future generations. And so, Peter, we can't afford to have you thinking in the old when God is preparing to do something good and something better. And so this is what we've been dealing with more recently. We've been looking at what the Bible calls strongholds. Anyone remember that? We've been looking at what the Bible calls strongholds. A stronghold is a fortress of thought. It's like a castle that is built by thought. Okay, that's what I mean by fortress of thought. Um, it, it, it's a, a, a stronghold is, is, is a, a, a way of thinking. It is a pathway. It is a set way of thinking, an established way. You know when, it, when something is established, like the foundations of a house, they are first established before the house is established. When something is established, it is set in place. It is it is, it is firm, okay? And so a stronghold is a, is a pattern of thinking. It's a fortress of thought. A pattern of thinking is an established way of thinking or a strong way of seeing yourself and seeing the world around you. It is your set way of viewing the world. It, it can be positive and, and it can be a negative thing. It is positive when it, when it is in alignment with the will of God. That is a positive stronghold. It is a negative stronghold when it contradicts the will of God for your life. So when God says that you are loved, but you've experienced rejection in your life, and so because of that rejection, you find it difficult to believe that you are loved, what we are really dealing with is a stronghold that is contradicting what God said about you. Okay? When, when, if you did grow up in, a, in, a, in an environment where your father was present and your father showed love and, 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 and you experienced real love and good love, it, 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 you will not have the same kind of struggle to believe in the love of the father because you don't have the same stronghold. You might have a stronghold somewhere else, but, but because of the love your natural father showed you, it has built up a stronghold in your mind, a way of thinking, a pattern of thinking that aligns with what God is saying. So when God says, when someone says God is your father and he loves you, you have a way of thinking that enables you to believe that easily than somebody else. This is why we don't, you know, you, this is why we, we have to walk in love. You don't know what your neighbor is dealing with. Okay? Why don't you just believe God loves you? Just be, no, you can't say that. Just, just be patient. You don't know their history. 
You don't know where they've been or what they're dealing with or what strongholds are in their minds. Are you still with me this morning? And so in the last two weeks, we, we've been talking about how these strongholds are formed. But today I want to talk about how we're dismantling them. Okay, because we're going to pull them down. These strongholds are the reason they are traps in the old. Most of the reason why I've been saying since the beginning of the year, this is your year to do something new. This is the, the Lord, is, there is grace for a new thing. The Lord will help you do something new. There, I still know by the Spirit of God that there are many of us in this room that have not attempted anything new yet. Some of you are looking nervous. Okay? And, and most of the time, it is because of these strongholds. It's not because you don't want to. But there is a way of thinking that means that every time you walk towards something new, you kind of think, I feel uncomfortable. I'm not sure. I'm just going to go back to what I know. We're going to talk about these strongholds. Because God is looking to do something new in your life. Amen. I said God is looking to do something new in your life. Amen. I came to announce to somebody, you are not stuck in the old. If there is a pattern of thinking, if there is a cycle of things, you know, a relationship that you always keep going back to and you know is terrible for you, uh, the Lord is going, can, the Lord this year wants to break you out of that pattern. He wants to release you from that toxic thinking that gets you in this place where you, you eat yourself up from the inside out. Amen? Many people don't need people to tear them down because they're doing it on the inside. Calling yourself stupid on the inside. Because somebody spoke some things to you when you were growing up, and it, they, 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 they became thoughts that have, I, I, I was in two minds as to where, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so excited. I, this, I, I'm a geek on this, on this matter, on, on this whole subject of renewing your mind and, and the, the, the role of strongholds. And so I, 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 I tried, I did so well to, you know, in my notes at least, to stay with the scripture because I didn't want to go into a psychology lesson here because really there is so much that's going on here uh, in our minds that, that builds these things up. And, and, and the Lord has, has equipped us to tear them down. Amen? Someone say, I am equipped to tear them down. Come on, anyone, anyone believe that today? I am, say it again, I am equipped to tear down strongholds. How do you know, Cheeto? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. How do you know? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience. <laughs> Glory be to God. This is not like, um, it, it, this, is, this is a kind of military talk. To punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, the, 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 the real context of the scripture is Paul is addressing some arguments that were being made in the Corinthian church um, against the teaching that he was bringing. 
So the real context of this is the, cult, the pervasive culture of the time which opposed the gospel of God's grace that he brought. And that's why he was saying, look, we're not going to, we're not, if you read the, 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 I like to give you the context, if you read uh, um, widely um, uh, the verses before and after, you see that what he's saying is, look, we're not going to use manipulation and all kinds of crafty things to try and, and change people's minds, but the weapons of our warfare. They are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to pull down strongholds, these patterns of thoughts that are being seen in our culture that is coming against what God is saying. We have weapons to pull them down. Now, the same principle appear, uh, applies in your life and in my life as individuals because, because the culture... Um, the, the, the pattern of thinking that forms the culture of any society is made up of the individual patterns of thinking of the individuals in that society. Does that make sense? Shall I say that again? The pattern of thinking, if a culture thinks a certain way, the reason you can say in London there is a culture of not saying hello on the tube. Okay? The reason we can say that is not some weird stuff that's just happening. It is because the individuals in London, when they get on the tube, they don't say hello. So what we need to do if we need to change that is to change individual culture. Remove the stronghold in your mind concerning saying hello on the tube. And then we can, if we can do that with enough people, we can change the culture. Amen? That's how we change the culture. So look at, so that's what he's saying here. And he says that the way we do this is that we have weapons that, that, that can pull down strongholds um, in the minds of the people in that area. And he says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly weapons. You can't find these weapons in Oprah's book or Oprah's show, as great as she is. You can't find these methods, you know, in, in you know, um, um, psychology today, even though there are great tips, you can great things you can find in there. The point I'm making is that these weapons are not carnal, but he says they are mighty. Glory be to God. They are mighty through God, and they are capable of pulling down strongholds. We have weapons. This means that we have what it takes to change things. Let me say to somebody who may be like me, you, you do admit that there are aspects of your life that you feel you have been stuck in for so long. Let me tell you, we have what it takes to change things. Hallelujah. The lie of the enemy is to tell you that you are stuck in this cycle of debt where the Lord brings you out of debt and you find yourself back in, brings you out of that addiction, you find yourself back in. He wants to, the enemy wants to convince you that this cycle is the story of your entire life. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. If you do admit this morning that there are strongholds in your life that are hindering you in certain areas, then I have good news for you. We have weapons to pull them down. And these weapons are mighty. And so I celebrate the change coming in your life even right now. Hallelujah. 
I celebrate the change happening in your life right now because we have weapons to pull this thing down. Amen? It might have plagued you for 20 years. It might have been the thing for 30 years. But the truth is we have weapons to pull them down. Someone said, the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to, to, the, to pull down strongholds. Okay? You cannot pull down a stronghold without these weapons. Okay? Carnal weapons, amen, which is really what, um, what self-help is, it helps. It makes a difference to be educated about what happens in the natural, what happens even in the metaphysical, in just above the natural. But, but, but the thing that really makes the difference is the weapon. God has given us a weapon to truly deal with this thing at its root. And I believe that the primary weapon he has given us is the word of God. Ephesians 6 tells us about the armor of God. And in that, in all of that, where he describes the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the shoes that, that help you spread the gospel, and all of that, he talks about the sword of the spirit. The only offensive weapon is a sword, which is the word of the Lord. Let me tell you what you have on your phones, what you have in that Bible. These are not ordinary words. These are your weapons. They are the weapons of warfare that you will use to change your life. You can hear me religiously or you can really see that freedom is possible. Amen. Amen? He said he talks about this armor of God. He has given us the weapon. So let me put it out once again. In everything that we are getting, we must be rooted and grounded in the word. Because the word is your way out. Are you with me this morning? The word is that weapon. The weapon to put it down. The weapon to change culture. This is why I believe in the church that the moment that a society starts to despise the church, what they also despise is a vehicle that God has placed on the earth to invade culture. Because in the church, the Lord gathers us together. And, he, and if you are going to a good church, you will hear the word of God, which is the primary tool that God uses to build the culture of the kingdom. It is the primary two. This is why as much as you can fellowship with God at home, please do come to church. Because what you need to be is, a, is, is among a company of believers who are believing. They ought to be a common belief. Do you know what I mean? So you can be believing for your house. This one can be believing for their car. This one can be believing for their family to be saved. But we all need to be a part of a community of people who are, yes, we have our individual things we're believing God for, but we have a common agenda. A common agenda to see servant kings raised up. A common agenda to hear the word on the Sunday and go out on the Monday and be light. A common agenda. It is unity. And there is power in unity. There is power by yourself to get your car. 
But when we come together to transform, when we come together, when two agree concerning anything, it shall be done to them. Amen. How sweet it is when brethren dwell together in unity. He says the anointing flows and it trickles all the, the power of God is, is released in a unique way when we gather together. Are you with me so far? The church is not the kingdom of God. The church is a subset of the kingdom of God, but the church is important. I don't know why I went there, but somebody needed to hear that perhaps. And so, and so, let, so what I'm trying to say is that, is, that, is that it is important that we hear the word. It is important that you put yourself in a place where you hear the word. I believe that this is even true for, for um, uh, even in marriages. Let me speak about marriages. It is important that, that you hear the same word. Okay? It is important that you hear, because as, as the word is going, the word is always useful. But, but, but there is something about hearing the word in unity, in unison. Amen? That, that, that builds a foundation for you to build from. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are there any people in this house? This amazing house of the Lord. Hallelujah. You are looking very dignified this morning. I'm not, I'm not going to try to do accents. I'm so rubbish at accents. All my accents sound Pakistani. It's just wrong. It comes out wrong. I tried to do an Indian accent. It sounds so. I tried to do American. Let's leave it alone. All right. So, so, so are you with me this morning? Tell your neighbor, neighbor. It is so good to sit next to you. So look at this. The weapons of our warfare is in the word. Okay? The word changes our culture. The word change, can change our traditions. It changes ways of thinking that oppose what God is saying to, wanting to do in our life. This is why, um, this is why I, I, I'm, I'm encouraging so much engagement in the word and challenging you not to just say amen, but to say amen, but really mean it. I'm looking for ways to offend you enough to wake up. Does that make sense? I'm looking for ways to shut you out of your sleep because what can happen is you, we come to church, we hear amen in the right place, we hear the things that we want to hear, and there is no real change. Hearing the word is brilliant, but it's not enough. The purpose of hearing the word is that it begins to change our mind. Repentance is what happens, is a change of mind that happens because you heard the word. The word came and the message he preached is change your mind because the kingdom of God is at hand. Change your mind, remove those strongholds in your mind because there is another kingdom that is accessible. We can get the church to say amen. We can get the church to give a shout of praise. We can get the church to give an offering. We can get the church to, but the hardest thing is to get the church to change. And that's the work that the Holy Spirit is helping us with. Come on, put your hand up. Say, I'm changing this year. Changing. Come on, say, we, come on, if you are tired of certain aspects of your life and you're honest, say, I'm changing this year. Make a decision to change. Okay? And so Paul is looking at all of this, and I want to talk to you about, about pulling down these strongholds. And I, I will say, as we talk about these things, they are overlapping. I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm just going to take my time. Um, I, don't know, I, I don't know why I even thought I was going to do this in one week, but, but, but then digging into this is just so much. 
So, 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 so um, some of these are overlapping and uh, with, with the different points that I'm raising, but I'm still raising them for, for clarity. I want us to have as much information to be able to look at these things from many angles. The other thing I want you to know is that these are not exhaustive. I don't like, um, um, for a long time, I hesitated to bring points in a message because sometimes Christians can come, um, can we like, if, if you don't change your mind, we're looking for rules. We're always looking for new Ten Commandments, okay, new rules to follow so that you can find out, just like, you know, you heard the message last time that says these are, these are, these are seven ways to pray effective prayer. And then they release the next edition that says 21 ways to pray effective <laughs> So since you read the seven ways, you feel like what on earth? So there are like some other, how many, what, what's my math like? There are some other 14 ways that I don't know. And so we are in this place where we're constantly chasing to catch up. That is, not, and that is the reason why I sometimes hesitate with giving points because some, it, it can put you in this place where you feel, oh, my word, I thought I knew, but I don't know. I need to, no, relax. All is well. Jesus is your savior. Oh, man, he makes all things new. All I'm doing is unpacking your Savior. So you don't need to strive to get any of this. You already have all of this because the Messiah lives in you. Come on, let's give it up for our Messiah. So I, I thought I'd put that out as a disclaimer. They're not exhaustive. This is not everything. These are just things to give us something to think about, to articulate how to use these weapon, this weapon to pull down these strongholds. I also have to say that these are not magic pills, okay? These are not magic pills. You know, if you do this and do this and do this, that's it. No, uh, uh, and so you, you do it this week and do it next week. Pastor, it's not working. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Pastor, you said if I declare the word that no, not, no, no, this is not, that's not how it works. It, 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 it didn't, it, those strongholds were built over time. Amen. You learn behavior. You know, most of the things, fear is learned behavior. Many people who bought out the toilet rolls from Tesco, they didn't even know why they're buying. They just got there. It's finishing. Let's buy. Learn behavior. The people who came before, Taught them, we buy. Amen? And then you ask questions later. Some of us, you know what I think, so everyone is running, you run first, ask on the way. Learn behavior. <laughs> Fear is learned behavior. And so a lot of the things, the ways that we think, they are learned behavior. Until we learn a new behavior, um, then, you know, it, and it takes time to learn. So be patient. Hold on to these things. Commit. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Commit to change. That's it. Faith is a commitment to the word. That is why we don't believe in things. We believe in a person. Because if your commitment is to using the word just for things, when the thing is not working out like you thought, you will be like the disciples who all disperse when your Savior is, is, is crucified. But if you commit to the thing, to the, sorry, to the person, even when he is on the cross, because you believe his words, you know something is going to change. I don't see how this is going to happen, but I believe that a change is coming. Because you believe in a person. Are you with me so far? And so I'm asking you to just commit to change. 
and get a hold of these things. But as you do that, God himself will commit to your transformation. Amen? He will commit to your transformation. And in all of these, remember what we said, our sufficiency is of him. So the ability to apply all of these things, to use these weapons, they're not going to come from us. They come from him. We bring understanding so we know how to lean on him. Okay? If you don't understand that a car can take you from A to B, you can be asking God, God, um, I, I, I don't have the strength to go, go to Birmingham on foot. And God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send you an Uber. And I'll pay for it from my side, okay? I, I'm, I'm, going to <laughs> I'm going to send you an Uber. Some of you are saying, Lord, who's going to pay for this? So <laughs> Anybody have to ask God real questions? No, leave that alone. But, but, he's, but, but, but you don't know what a car is. So here you are standing, and the car comes. You say, what is this beast? May the Arakasha move in the name move. I release that fire. <laughs> and you're out rebuking the very thing that God sent to deliver you. And what was lacking is understanding of technology. So what I'm about to do is just do some spiritual technology, give you some insight into how things work so that you just know how to posture yourself and know how God is, through his sufficiency, pulling down these strongholds. Are you, if you're with me so far, say amen. amen. Philippians chapter 2. Let's talk about pulling down, dismantling these strongholds. Number one, take responsibility for your thought life. Okay, I'm going to talk about two today just for time, and, um, and then we'll pick it up next week. Are you still with me? Take responsibility for your thought life. Look at Philippians 2, verse 5. Um, by the way, Philippians 2 has all the characteristics. The Lord showed me this scripture as I was asking about, okay, who are these seven kings that you are raising? What do they look like? They're in Philippians 2, Okay. They're in Philippians too, but I'll leave that alone. And I'll, uh, but I want you to just carry this heart. It has a special place in what God is calling us to do. Pay attention to these, okay? But, but I'm, I'm going to verse 5 just for what we're looking at today. Verse 5 says, let this mind, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Someone say, that's me, amen. Let this mind be in you. Notice that we can choose... Pay attention. This is huge. We can choose which mind to live from. Okay? You can choose which mind to live from. But we have to take responsibility for our thought life. Can I say something really strong? Okay? Okay? Come on, give me your permission. I'm, you know I'm going to say it anyway, but it's good if you give me permission. Okay? The mind you have right now is the mind that you let be. Okay? The mind you have right... And by the way, your mind is determining the quality of your life. You will never have a life that does not reflect the quality of your mind. It's not possible. You can't go somewhere in your, in your life that you haven't been in your mind. It's just not possible. Okay? And so the point I'm making is this. The mind you have right now 
is the mind you let yourself have. That's a strong statement. I know it's a strong statement because there are ways of thinking that were handed down to us by our parents. It's a strong statement because there are cultures that we were born into, and I didn't ask to have this kind of mind, but the culture that I was born into gave me that mind. By that terrible thing that happened to you, that stronghold of fear was birthed without your permission. Someone took advantage of you in the past, and uh, when you didn't know better, and now you are living with this way of thinking that is a toxic way of thinking that harms you. You know it harms you. You know it hinders you. But you feel I'm trapped in that way of thinking. And it wasn't because I purposefully chose that way of thinking. But somebody who should have been my defense took advantage of that and now installed this virus in my thinking that means that every time I come this far, I go all the way back. And now you're going to say that this mind is my my fault. That's why that's a strong statement. And it's a strong statement because we have all of these things that influence, influence our minds. However, the problem is I am not talking about what is fair. I am talking about your freedom. If this was a conversation about fairness and what is right, then I will not need to be talking about this. Does that make sense? If this was a conversation about what should have happened to you or what shouldn't have happened to you, if this was a conversation about fairness, then this will be a strong statement to make. But if it is a conversation about your freedom, amen, if it is a conversation about your freedom, we have got to take responsibility for your freedom. Let me give you this analogy. Imagine you went home, God forbid, imagine you went home after work. And as soon as you got home, you opened the door and you, the, the window is smashed in. Your TV is no longer there. Your, you know, your, your, your laptop has been stolen. Your jewelry, everything, you know, everything is thrown. The house is in a mess because somebody burgled your house. Now, you locked your doors. You have all the protection. But somebody burgled your house with, you know, no, no, I was going to say without your permission. You, know, you, you never give people your permission to burgle. But anyway, they, they burgled your house. When you step into the house, it is right that you are upset. It is right that you call the police. It is right that you take pictures. It is right that you don't touch anything because the police are going to come and sweep for fingerprints. It is right that you don't do anything. But if three months later, okay, you're still sitting in the house, windows smashed in, no laptop, none of those things, none of this is your fault. You didn't cause this. But at some point, You've got to make a decision. I'm not going to let this burglar determine how I live my life. This burglar is not going to be the reason I sit down on broken glass. This burglar is not going to be the reason I stay in a house that is cold. This burglar is not going to be in the reason, it's not going to be the reason why I don't enjoy the blessing of the Lord that is this house. At some point, you are going to have to stand up and say, no, this is my house. I will arrange this house as I want it. Regardless of what this burglar has done to me, I am taking responsibility Amen. 
to clean this mess up. That's what I am saying this morning, that regardless of what, how we got to this place where you think the way you think, where you have these fears, where these things are, it is saying, I am coming to the place today where I refuse for my experience to have my mind. My mind is a gift from God to me. This experience will not steal my mind. That crazy person who took advantage of me, they will not have my mind. That person who offended me, they will not have my mind. This circumstance I'm going through will not have my mind because I'm going to choose which kind of mind I have. I let this mind be in me. Your freedom begins when you make a decision to choose which mind you will have. Amen? Which mind are you going to have? It begins when you say to the, to the abuser who refused to acknowledge what they've done to you. You can't have my mind anymore. Amen? You can't have my mind anymore without my permission. You know, you, 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 your freedom begins when you, when you say to that experience that marked you. Okay, I'm not going to deny that happened. I'm not going to deny that that hurt me. But to the living, there is still hope. And so I'm going to see a good future. The righteous fall seven times, but I'm not going to stay down. I'm going to get up again. I'm going to believe again. I'm going to choose which mind I am going to have. Your mind does not belong to your failure. Your mind does not belong to the circumstance. Your mind does not belong to popular culture. Your mind does not belong to any of these things. He gave you a mind to have. The moment you choose to take responsibility for your mind, you also strip everything else of determining your future. For as long as we're still thinking with the same mind, or, you know, uh, um, that, that, that circumstance, you know, just like if you're waiting for somebody to acknowledge that they wronged you, before you forgive, uh, I, I wasn't, I, d I don't know if we, do we have a, a um, I might, might as well just take my time. Do we have um, a chart? Um, we, if we don't, if we don't, it's okay. Um, if we have a chart, just offset, yeah, keep, 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 keep bringing it down for me if, 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 if we're able to. I, I want to do something. Um, I, I don't know if you, if you were, there is this lady who is um, a researcher. She researched, uh, I've mentioned this before, Car Dr. Caroline Leaf, um, I think you should, you should check her out. I think you should check out some of her work. You know, we can't cover everything at church, so we give you enough to go and study for yourself. Come on, people. Encourage me. Encourage me. Okay. All right. That's good. Um, so, uh, so please, please go, go, go and research all of these things that I'm talking about. Look at how, it, how these things affect you. When we thought, thoughts are not um, random. Thoughts are not abstract things. Um, Dr. Caroline Leaf suggests to us, she's a researcher, um, a brain researcher, and she suggests that thoughts are actual proteins. So they are actual matter. So for every time I think a thought, a strand of protein is produced in my brain. Okay? Every time I think a thought, every time you think a thought, a strand of protein is produced. I think just tell, just tell um, if you can reach him, just tell him not to worry about it. It's going to take too long for, for us to find them. Um, I should have arranged that earlier. Um, but, but, a strand, uh, but if you're following me, give me a thumbs up. Uh, this is so important. Okay. A strand of protein is produced in our brain. So the more you think of something, what happens is several strands. Uh, can I have pens? 
Give, give me a pen. I'm going I'm to mark you with something. As many pens as possible. Many pens. Come on, if you have a pen. Nobody uses pens again, okay? <laughs> no one uses pens again. Thank you. Thank you. Fine. As many pens as possible. Thank you. Pens, pens, pens everywhere. Thank you. Awesome. Oh, look at that. A whole book of pens. A whole bag of pens. So let's, let's oh, awesome. Thank you. So let's think about, let's think about, think, I, I can't promise that you're all going to get your pens back. I, I, didn't, I didn't think this through, but um, the Lord will help us. So now imagine, imagine, imagine that each of these pens are a thought, okay? Each of these pens are a thought. So every time, let, let's say I was walking out of here and you were trying to get my attention, God forbid, and I, I didn't see you or I just gave you a side eye. A thought comes into your mind, a protein strand comes into your mind and says, I can't believe he just did that. How, and he calls himself the pastor? Pastor? With that kind of behavior? Really? And I just gave my tie. <laughs> What's happening, <laughs> what's happening is, before you know it, there are protein strands that are strong. It's not, it was like this when it came. But the more you thought about it, it got stronger. This is how strongholds are formed. Strongholds are formed. Before you know it, from that day onwards, you're not quite sure. Every time Chino Gideon stands up, lift your hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why? Because... There is, a, there is a stronghold. There is some, a way of thinking about him that has grown so strong. How do I... The, th this is why we don't take offense. Because the more you think about the person who offended you, the conversation now is not about whether I did it or not. That is immaterial. It doesn't matter. The point is whether I, I, I meant it or not, you're walking around with a stronghold. You're walking around with bitterness. That's why the scripture says, don't allow a root of bitterness to take root in you. Because bitterness is like a tree. It's literally like a tree. Some of us have got big, huge ones in the spirit. You can't walk well because you're bitter everywhere you turn. Look at how they're smiling. In fact, look at their skirt. That's too long. Who made you the skirt police? strongholds and it's all because we didn't stop ourselves from thinking those thoughts and the more you think the thoughts the more you entertain the kind of thoughts and, the, and and if you allow me just just worst case scenario just imagine that I was a rude guy and I did that what you have really done is what we tend to do is say I have permission I have permission to be angry this is the pastor. And you do. But the reality is you have to choose. Do you want to go to jail or do you want to go home? <laughs> From that amazing movie that this amazing man of God called Denzel Washington. Do you want to go, do you want to go to jail? Training day, by the way. Ask your neighbor. Do you want to go to jail or do you want to go home? So I can choose. They offended me. But Jesus says something. He says to them, pray for those who despisefully use you. Because every time, even if I get this offended, and there's this stronghold, 
But every time I, and, and, and I'm saying this because I've done that. There are people who have hurt me in my life. That um, I, I know this, for, uh, this is not, you know, I'm not teaching theory. I'm teaching freedom that I've experienced. I, I can go to sleep and not, not, not keep having a conversation. Anybody know that? You know, you know what I mean? When you have that conversation, this is what I should have said. I should have told, look at their feet, by the way. It was crusty. All you're doing is adding. You're adding, you're adding to more protein strands, and now you just have a dislike. I don't like them. There is a root of bitterness that has gone. But Jesus says, he says, he says, pray for those who despitefully use you. So I remember, I remember being offended at this family member. Offended, I remember a different time, offended at somebody who I loved who really hurt me. And um, I don't know, every time I come to you, I feel like I tell you a little bit some weird stuff. Um, I know none of you experience it, but every now and again, I'll give money to them in spirit. I know some of you don't do that, you know. Uh, when you monitor them to see, have they fallen? <laughs> Did, they <laughs> Did they hurt themselves today? No? Are they okay? You know, that, like, you know, you, like you think about that bully at school and you meet your friends. How they, are they ugly now? Are they, you know, it's, it's that root of bitterness that's speaking. And so the Lord said, Chilo, you can't continue like this because every time you go check to see if they've fallen down, you're adding another strand. And the person who's getting, they're moving on with their life. But you are being held by a stronghold. And a stronghold, and listen, it doesn't stay the same. It grows. So it's not casual. It's not just a fleeting thought. It grows. So now God could be sending me to them. But there is a stronghold in my mind. Listen, do you know that if, if, if God sends me to that person, I, I'm not ready. I'm not going. That is not God. Why? Not because it isn't God, but because the stronghold said it isn't. Does that make sense? So Jesus says, pray, pray for those who despisefully use you. Um, because every time you pray for them, so I started doing every time I saw them, and that, and that stronghold will start to speak, I said, Lord, I pray you bless them. Lord, I pray that you heal them. Oh, God, bless everything they put their hands to. Oh, I like that car. It's really lovely. I'm still angry. They haven't said sorry for what they did. In fact, I decide, Lord, I just imagine. I can use my mind. So I imagine them saying sorry. And I'm setting myself free. What am I doing? I'm setting myself free and leaving. Le the, the only thing maybe I have is a remembrance that they hurt me. I, I haven't forgotten, but it's no longer a factor in determining my future. Ask your neighbor, neighbor, do you want to go to jail or do you want to go home? This is the choice. This is the choice. And so, and so, and, and, and this freedom starts not by waiting for them. I'm, I'm going to wait till next week. I'm, I'm going to wait. Next week, I'm going to see if fast is going to come. I'm going to wait for them to tell them what they did. This man of God. Before I give my offering, I'm going to have this conversation with them. How they, and, and in one week. The stronghold is growing. Worst thing then happens next week, I decide I'm going to go on holiday with my wife. So, ne <laughs> so next week, I'm not here. So now it's two weeks of this stronghold still growing. The other week, you know, three weeks later, you come and, 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 and there are too many people. I'm having too many conversations. You didn't get a chance to. Three weeks. 
you are still seething, the stronghold is still growing, and you are still getting stuck. Here's what I'm saying. I, I use this very light example to say, regardless of how you got to this place where you are afraid of whatever it is, or you got to thinking this thing, take responsibility for your mind. And say, yes, the burglar, you have violated my space by stepping into my house, but this is my house. And I will determine how this place looks. I will determine where it goes because I have weapons to destroy every stronghold in my mind. Come on, is this helping somebody this morning? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. So he says, let this mind be in you. Allow this mind. You might have every other kind of mind. Somebody gave you this mind. That one culture gave you this mind. That person who hurt you gave you this mind. But he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have, let you let this particular type of mind be in you, which was also in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says, Who has known the mind of, of the Lord that he may instruct him? But he says, but we have the mind of Christ. Can we make a declaration this morning? Say after me, I have the mind of Christ. Now, what this means, listen carefully. I have a car, okay? I have a car. But right now that I'm speaking to you, I'm not in my car. But I have a car. Does that make sense? So, so, so it's the same thing with scripture. Your mind right now might be full of fear, might be full of anxiety, taking responsibility, saying, this is not the only option I have. I have the mind of Christ. I have a car. So I don't need to be anxious if a conversation starts about going somewhere 30 miles from here. I don't need to be anxious. I'm not in my car right now. My car is not visible to those that are around. I'm, I'm walking right now. But because I know I have a car, I am not going to be anxious about that conversation because of what I know I have. So, so here, is what we here is how we live. We live by knowing we have the mind of Christ. The transformation, the sanctification that we go through as Christians is the transformation from having your mind to having the mind of Christ. That's it. Did you get that? Because when you get born again, you know... <laughs> Nothing changes physically. I was going to pick up some features, but I didn't think that was nice. Uh, nothing changes physically. You still look the same. Amen. You still, you still, for some people, they even got, they're dressing horribly after they got born again. Because they thought getting born again is uglification and not holiness. I'm going to leave that alone. But, but, but regardless of what's going on, the real transformation is not this outward transformation. It is the transformation of the mind. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. What is he going to complete? He's going to complete the transformation of your mind. Why? Because you already have the mind and he's never going to take it back. That car is mine. Whenever I take responsibility for this journey, I will find that car. Somebody say, I have, I have the mind of Christ. Come on, say it again. I have, I have the mind of Christ. 
when we don't take responsibility for our mind, here's what we do. We abdicate the responsibility for the state of our mind to our circumstances or to popular opinion or to something that happened. And you cannot guarantee the kind of mind they will give you. Okay? If you abdicate the responsibility for the state of your house to the burglar that broke into your house, even if you brought the burglar back, you cannot guarantee that the burglar will fix your house back like you like it or like you need it. So even if you can get access to them, really, the power is in you making the decision, this is my house, and I'm going to fix it. His grace is sufficient for me in fixing this thing. Am I helping somebody this morning? How do I take responsibility for my, for my thought life, for my mind? Decide the kind of future you want. Don't leave your, your future to the economy to decide. Don't leave your future to coronavirus to decide. Okay? Don't leave your future to, to bitterness. Don't leave your future to the person who hurts you. Jeremiah 29, 11, famous scripture. Help me put that up on the screen. Famous scripture, because I recommend that you choose. There is a future already planned. Now, don't, don't manufacture one for yourself. Amen? You're not that good. There is a good God who has built a future for you. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So I'm choosing the future he has prepared for me. Amen? Not the future. If you choose the future the burglar prepared for you, the, every time you look into your future, you're seeing cold winters. Every time you look into the future of sitting on your sofa, you're seeing broken glasses. You're seeing, and it doesn't excite you because you're looking into the future as suggested by the burglar. You are taking the mind that the burglar is giving you. Well, you can take the mind that God is giving you. He's giving you a future. A good future. Even if I don't have the details, I know it's good. So Jesus is on the cross, and I'm disappointed that this was the Savior of the world, and I don't know how he ended up on the cross, but I'm still not going to take any, I'm going to choose to believe that the future is good, even though I see him on the cross. Are you still with me so far? So, 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 so decide, what kind of future do you want? What kind of future do you see coming to pass in your life? What does God say about your future? Everything is going to be okay. Do you believe that? Why do you believe that? What word are you standing on? Decide on the kinds. Uh, and so the next thing we're doing, decide on the kind of thoughts. Talking about how do we take responsibility for our mind? I'm going to decide what kind of future I want. And I decide the kind of future that I want by finding out the kind of future that my father has prepared for me. And I'm going to choose that future because that future is the same future in the mind of Christ. You get that? It's the same future in the mind of Christ. So I, I'm, I'm choosing what future I want. The next thing I need to know, if this is the future I want, then I need to think, what kind of thoughts do I need to think to experience that future? Okay? Decide on the kinds of thoughts that will get you that future. You can't be thinking nasty thoughts about people and expect a future without bitterness. It's not possible. You can't drink poison and expect your neighbor to die. It's not possible. Are you with me? So you're deciding what kind, if I'm going to, if I'm going to go, go, go there, 
it is my thoughts that will stop me on the journey to there. So what kind of, what kind of thoughts do I need to think if I am getting, if I want to get those, that kind of future? Are you with me so far? You can't think like a slave and end up with the future of a son. So if you are a son, think like a son. Does that make sense? If you are loved, you can't think like someone who is unloved and receive what loved people get. So if I want to receive the love of God, I've got to change my thinking into a kind of thinking that allows the love of God to impact me as God has designed. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's what Jesus preached all the time. Amen? He preached, change your mind. Because everything in the kingdom is available. It is an unchanged and unrenewed mind that hinders the kingdom. Are you still with me this morning? So decide what kind of thoughts am I going to think? Philippians 4, 6 says, Finally, my brethren and sisteren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are, um, are, are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think on these things. Choose your thoughts. Can I suggest something even more practical? Write them down. Write them down. Choose your thoughts. You know what you struggle with. Many people don't think about what they're thinking about. Think about what you're thinking about. Know yourself. Amen? Know yourself. When do you normally quit? There is a time. You know how it is. Okay, let's check. We're in March. Are you still going to the gym? Let's, let's evaluate the data from this year, last year, in fact, the last 10 years. You've been tithing to the gym, and at the same time, in the year, you, you quit. It's the same thing with so many other things. Evaluate and decide, okay, what thoughts am I going to think? What thoughts do I think that gets me into the cycle? You know, write them down. If you are, you know, if, if you are feeling unworthy... Right, sometimes I think I am unworthy. What scripture? I, I, I reckon I, I was telling somebody, you know, um, I was telling somebody this last week. So, you know, if, if there is a pervasive thought that sometimes I, I'll put it on my phone, the thought I want to think. There was a time I was thinking I felt like an imposter, like somebody who didn't belong. And, and you, many, many people go through that, where you kind of feel like one day these people are going to find out that you're not really what you think you are. And, and, and I suffered with that for a long time. So, for, for in fact, for almost for a whole year, I had on my phone, you are not an imposter. You are chosen. It's a thought. Because here is what we do. You think you're, you're about to go do what God calls you to do, and that thought comes up. <laughs> Dude, calm down. You know that thought? You know people like us. We don't do stuff like this. Remember the last time we did this? You fell on your face. Everybody laughed. This is the conversation that's going on. If, if you don't choose the thoughts you're going... Listen, you need to choose the thoughts before you think them. Okay? Choose the thoughts before you think. That's why I recommend writing them down. What are the most, what are the most consistent thoughts that you think about yourself? What are the most limiting thoughts? Some people call them limiting beliefs. 
what are the most consistent things, and they are consistent. You know, I, I, I said this last time that we think 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day, and oftentimes they're a repetition, they're the same thought. So the same thing you thought yesterday, the same thing you thought the day before. So don't buy the lie that you don't know. No, you will know if you ask. Ask yourself, what am I thinking? Why am I thinking that? Amen? So you decide, you, you, you choose the kind of thoughts you want, write them down. I suggest you write them down. And the final thing I want to talk about, you, you decide the kind of thoughts you're going to think by deciding the kinds of words you live under. Okay? That means that you, in many ways we need to change companies. Identify what produces these thoughts in me. If you are, if you are, if you, if you recognize that there is a, there is a side of you that is afraid of world annihilation, like, like, like you just believe that one day there will be like legend. You know that film, Legend, with, is it I Am Legend with Will Smith, where there is only one person left in the world, just you and your dog, and the rest are zombies. I know this is just kind of pushing it. But the way we're reacting to coronavirus, I believe that that's what many people believe that this world is going to end and this virus is going to take us all out, so let's go buy toilet tissue because at least we will have... I'm sorry, leave that alone. We will <laughs> but if you are prone, if you recognize something and something births that thought, here's what we've got to do. Start to think, okay, I, I put it this way. Travel to the future and find the word there. Travel to that place where the worst-case scenario has happened and ask, where is Jesus now? Does that make sense? Oh, the, don't miss what I've said. Um, I'm, I'm going to finish. I wanted to, do, I wanted to do one more police your thoughts, but can we come back next week for that one? Okay, because I'm, I'm excited about that one. Um, but but let, let, let me say this. Um, strongholds lose, the, the power of a stronghold in your mind is, is that it, it projects and tells you so the power of a thought, let me break it down. The power of, of this recurring thought is, uh, is in its ability to try to decide what your future will be. And that's why we come back and bow to this. So Nebuchadnezzar would say to the boys, if you don't bow, your future is fire. Okay, but what do the boys do? The boys say, my God will save me. But even if he doesn't, I'm still not going to bow. What did they do? They traveled to the fire. And they said, even if this fire is raging, I make a decision before I'm thrown into the fire that I'm not bowing. Here's what I'm suggesting. If you are afraid of world annihilation, go to world annihilation and find out what you believe. Oh, I missed it. If you're afraid of running out of money, Make up your mind and start saying to yourself, number one, God, will, God is my source. He provides for me. And I know he will provide for me. But even if I run out of money, I serve a God who can send a raven to bring me bread. My children will not suffer. My children will not run out. I will not be thrown out. Even if I am thrown out, thrown out on the street, the Lord will send angels to guard me while I sleep at the bus stop. I'm not going to sleep at the bus stop because he has given me houses. He said I will build houses. He said I will live in goodly houses. But if I do live, in, live on the bus stop, then I know that my God is still with me.
Come on. It is, it is challenging every thought and saying, I, I find in the suggestion, this is how you disarm a bully. You disarm a bully on the playground the moment you tell the bully that what you're threatening me with, I am no longer afraid of. If you're going to get me after school, get me. Because I'm no longer afraid of. This is why the life we live, we no longer live. It is, it is Christ that lives in us. Hallelujah. 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 There is freedom that comes. I just sense that spirit of freedom. There is freedom that comes the moment we, Job got to that place. Here is how Job put it. He put it, even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. There is a freedom that comes when you make up your mind. These strongholds, these thoughts will not determine my future. I declare in the name of Jesus, you are anointed to pull down strongholds. I declare limiting beliefs are being shattered this morning. I declare that fresh, there is a fresh wave of what God is going to do. He's giving you fresh revelation, fresh insight into his will for your life. This is, this is the beginning of that season of freedom. I call this a new season in your life. Lord, I join my faith with you, Jehovah, to declare over your people a new thing in this season. I declare the old has passed away. All things have become new. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We give you all the glory. Come on, give the Lord. I'm just going to take my time with this. Bear with me. I had like six or seven other points. 